Well, good morning, and thanks for coming back on to Teach Christian with us. Today, we're going to be in the book of 1 John, and we're going to be in 1 John 5. Um, we're going to read verses 3 through 5, and then a couple of verses at the end. So this is verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And then you go down a little further here, going down to verses um, 18 and 19. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Verse 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And so what I wanted to talk about today is what we're trusting in. What are we putting our faith in? What are we putting our trust in? Because in, the Bible also tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. <clears throat> and so are we actually trusting the Lord to supply for every need? Or are we trying to make our way ourselves? And if we're trying to rely on our own strength and our own efforts and our own talents to, you know, live our life, manage our classroom, um, work on our marriage and our finances, parent our children. If we're, work, if we're trusting in just our own self, we're going to fail. We're going to fall on our face. But if we're trusting in Jesus and we're remaining connected to Jesus, then we're going to see the product of that trust. He's going to work through us and show us the things that we need to do. We cannot do anything apart from Jesus. And so many of us try to do it in our own strength, and we become so, so content and so, um, so blasé about it almost to where it's become nonchalant that we're like, oh, you know, I'll pray about it, and I'm just going to keep going. And then we don't actually really pray about it. We don't, and when we pray, we're not listening for an answer. I have a bachelor's degree in communication studies, and one of the things I love to use in trainings that I do is the communication model. And if you look at a picture of the communicate, you can Google this at any point. We're not doing video with this one, but if you look Google the communication model, you're going to see when there's a message, it gets sent to another person, and then it comes the message from the other person comes back to the original sender. Communication is a two-way process. And so when we go to the Lord in prayer and we start asking Him for things and we start talking to Him about things, we just usually just talk and talk and talk and talk and put it out there, but we never stop it takes time to listen to what he's telling us to, to do. We don't listen for his response. And there's another part of this. Well, if you're asking him for things, how's he going to speak to you and show? And I, used to, I always tell the kids when I'm doing chapel that, does God speak in his big, booming voice now? No, that's what he did under the old covenant. You could hear him verbally speaking. Now there's a better way that he speaks to us. That's through the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, it's in a still small voice that you have to be focused so so intently to hear him if you didn't hear what i said it's a still small voice to where you have to be so focused and intent intentionally listening to him to hear him and to do that you have to remain connected to christ you have to be in your you have to be in the bible studying the word every day you have to have an attitude of prayer you have to be worshiping him you have to be cognizant of when he's going to be speaking to you and so many of us ask for things, for him to do things, that when we go out in our lives, we just keep walking along and just doing our own thing instead of actually looking at his word and look, waiting for him to speak to us. And we get so, like I said, just so passive about it that we don't realize that we're not getting the what we're looking for.
because we're not looking in the right places. We're just trusting in other things and hoping for God just to like show this big giant neon sign that tells us what to do. That may not always happen. Sometimes it does become prevalent. But if you're not remaining connected to Him, you're going to miss it. And that's the other thing about uh, about parenting and about uh, you know where, how we're going to raise our children as well. You know, a lot of us just think that we can take them to church. They're going to be raised up in church. They're going to be raised up and follow Christ because they've had an experience in the church. And then we make a decision and we're going to send them to just the public school. It's free. You know, it's free. We can send them on to the public school. Not realizing that the stuff that's being taught in these classrooms is diametrically opposed to the Word of God. And so we make that choice for a variety of reasons. Sometimes, sometimes it's a financial decision. Sometimes the decision to where we want them to be able to participate in activities, that we want them to play football or basketball or participate in band and drama and theater and FFA and all this other stuff. And we want them to be involved in these activities, but we're missing the, missing the forest for the trees. And we're not thinking about eternity. We're not thinking about their future. We're not thinking about their, their life, that we're, whether, how they're going to walk with Christ after school's over. And I know, I love my kids. I want them to be involved in these activities. But what my job is as a parent is what Proverbs 22.6 tells me. To train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. And that might require making some tough choices. You know, doing some unpopular things. When we started our school, um, our intent was to start with just kindergarten and first grade. That, you know, and grow by a grade each year. Well, we were able to grow a lot quicker, and I brought my middle school son on board, and he argued with me about it all the time, but how he didn't want to be there, and all this kind of stuff. He wouldn't be acting with his friends and knew this and knew that. My daughter was a freshman when we pulled her out. I'm sure she wasn't too thrilled with us either when we decided to bring her in uh, to our tiny little school where she had no peers. Um, she was the only high schooler for a couple of years. But, you know, you have to make some choices as a parent that may not be popular. Let me give you an example. If your child were to come to you and they said, you know what, I want to I wanna learn how to cook. And you said, okay, I'm going to show you how to cook. And you just give them the pans and the ingredients and say, here you go, make it. And then walk out the door and leave them. What's going to happen? The food's probably not going to be very good. It may not be cooked correctly. It may not be following the proper procedure. They may burn the house down or do something inappropriate with an appliance. Why? Because they were never shown how to properly do it. Or let's say they wanted to build something. You just hand them some power tools and some couple pieces of wood and some screws. And say, Here you go, build something. And then you just leave them alone to it. Again, they might get hurt. They might not do it correctly. There's a lot of things that could happen. And this is the exact same thing that's happening with a lot of kids today. As parents, we're just saying, okay, we're going to take you to church one hour a week. You're going to be involved in maybe the Wednesday night stuff, so maybe it's two hours a week. And then we're going to send you out to the public school system and good luck to you. Instead of doing what Proverbs 22 6 says, it says to train up a child in the way they should go. We have to be active in every area of their upbringing. And so we have to make a choice as parents and as caregivers for our children whether or not we're going to raise them up in Christ. And it may not be popular to say, I'm going to send my child to a private school. It may be a hit to your wallet to send them to a private school to where they're going to be learning Christian values and be really focused on Christ. But what's the, going to, what's the end game? What's the end game going to be? Is it going to be that they're going to follow Christ when they're older? Is it going to be that they're going to be so rooted and grounded in the Word of God that they're going to continue 
on with him as they get older compared to if they never get rooted and grounded in him where they leave the church and never come back? And see, here's the problem I think we have in our society. A lot of people are trusting in the church. They're trusting in the church versus trusting in Christ. Let me tell you what the church is going to do to you. If you're trusting in the church, you're going to be upset by the worship music. It's not going to be to your liking. Your, your pastor's going to let you down because he preaches too long. You're going to get your feelings hurt because of some inconvenience or, or some gossip that goes on. You're going to be upset about something every time you go in that building if you're trusting in the church. And then you're going to church hop. And you're going to find that at every place. And guess what? If you're trusting in the church, you're eventually going to get tired of going and decide you're not going to come back. But if you're trusting in Christ, what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that the Holy Spirit is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's in Romans 14. That's right, righteousness. It's not food or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. So we have to trust in Christ and stop trusting in the church. Oh, yeah, we should go to church. Hebrews tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We have to go to church. We have to be connected with other believers. But we need to have that in every area of our life. And our children especially, you've got to make that choice for them to where they're going to, follow Christ, where they're going to be raised up in a Christian atmosphere and hopefully one day follow Christ. It's too important. I don't want to look back on my life and say, man, I wish I'd done that differently. And we have to make sure that we're making that choice. We need to find a way to get them into a place where they're going to be educated and rooted and grounded in Christian principles so that when they're older, they're not going to deviate from it. That's the great problem with the church. A lot of people are taking them to church and they're expecting these 15, 16, 17-year-old kids to connect with what's going on. Well, guess what? 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, if they're never raised up in the church, they're not going to connect with the music. It's going to look goofy and outdated because let's be, let's be honest. A lot of church services are geared toward an older audience. It started in my generation. My generation, I'm 37. My generation started leaving the church because they weren't connecting with it. And now with the younger generation, the gap is even bigger. And meanwhile, we have congregations that are saying, you know what, we don't, we want the old hymns, we don't want the modern worship, da 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 da. Listen, I get it. I like the old, I like a variety of Christian music. I like old hymns, I like more modern things. But we don't realize that. Songs like I Can Only Imagine were written like 25 years ago. They're becoming old too. And so this, the, the gap now from the modern Christian stuff is a lot wider than it was before. And so a song like I Can Only Imagine to someone who's 12, 13, 14 years old is an old song too. And they probably never even heard it. And so we have to make sure that we're, as a church and as, also as educators, that we're reaching kids where they're at. It doesn't mean we change our mission, we change our core values. It means we change our approach. Because if we're not being engaging, if we're not being interesting to what um, the kids are interested in, we're not going to be able to connect with them. And one of the greatest things I heard, this was at the BJU Press Exchange Conference last year in 2022. One, the, just a, It was just a single line, and it really spoke to me. But it said, And this is a, not just for the classroom, but this is also for us in life. The presenter said, there could be no discipline without relationship. And that really struck me because that's, the same, that's true in our lives. God cannot discipline us. He cannot correct us. He cannot re rebuke us if we don't have a relationship with Him. He's only going to do that with His children. 
And me, as a father of five and a former school principal, if I were to just go out to Walmart and see a kid misbehaving, and I all of a sudden speak up and say, hey, you need to knock it off. I'm a principal. That kid's not going to listen to me. Why? I don't have any relationship with this kid. Whether it, whereas if it's one of our students or if it was one of my own kids and I said, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be acting like that. You know better than that. They may listen to me. So if you don't have a relationship with the families, with the students, with, with the Lord, you're not going to be able to receive correction or give correction. And so we have to make sure that in the classroom, if we want to see people start coming to Christ, we have to start building relationships with these families and with these children. That's the first step. Then we can start saying, hey, you know, you need to start, why don't you start coming to church with us? And it causes, it, it opens up a door of opportunity for us to start sharing the gospel with them. And so, why am I saying all this for? Because this world is getting more and more difficult for kids to learn about Christ. The, the public school game has changed in the past 20 years. I graduated in 2004 from high school. And what school is like today, at least in our town, and from what I see, you know, or on social media and, and through the news, what school is like today and the things they're talking about today is completely opposite of what happened 20 years ago. And so as parents, if you know, like I said, I'm 37, so be all that our parents might be in the same age range. You remember high school, you know, fondly, but it's just a different game than what it is now. It's there's things that are being taught that are different. There's attitudes that are differently. There's there's just a lot of things going on that as Christian, if we want to raise our kids in a Christian atmosphere, we're going to have to be cognizant of it. Here's the other thing I want to talk about today too, and this is the last part of um, this was verse 19 in chapter five. It said, "We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one." Let me ask you something. As a parent, and you know, even as an educator, if you're showing stuff in your classroom, or even the materials you read or videos you're showing, what are your what are your kids absorbing? What are they watching on on YouTube? Because most people, most kids I see, most of my kids, they do not watch TV shows as much anymore. They watch YouTube and they watch different influencers. Well, what what's influencing them? Are they watching inappropriate things? Are they seeing, you know, vulgar and awful things? Are they seeing um, things that are opposed to your values? And you say, well, no, I use YouTube Kids. Well, there was a report that just came out about a month or two ago talking about YouTube Kids and how it wasn't filtering out some of the, the inappropriate content that it should be. And it was getting through to kids. So even though you have YouTube Kids, you still have to monitor what they're doing. So how are you filtering it out? I heard this from Runo Nation once, and it stuck with me uh, at a conference we went to, from, and Jeff Keaton was the speaker, and he said, from 6 to 18 years old, a child spends about an hour a day in church. That's about 1,500 hours in that time period. But that same time period, from 6 to 18 years old, they'll spend about 20,000 hours in school, and they'll spend another 15 to 20,000 hours on their media. So where are they getting their worldview from? And that's, a lot, that's the fight that a lot of us families are facing. We're bringing them to church for 1,500 hours a year, possibly, but then 40,000 hours or so a year they're being influenced by things that are diametrically opposed to Christianity. And that's what I'm trying to say to you. We have to make a choice of whether or not who we're going to follow. Are we going to follow Christ? 
and lean on him. That's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. It says, lean on your understanding, on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Are we going to trust what the Lord is telling us to do? When he says that we need to, to follow him and train up our child in the way they should go and with their old they want to part from, or are we going to just trust what the world says? Because of possibly maybe status or you're afraid of ruffling feathers. It's a choice. It is a choice we have to make as families. And if you're a Christian educator, I want to say this to you. Your job is so important. What you're doing every day is so, so valuable. And you have an opportunity every single day with every interaction and every, every time you're interacting with a student, a family, a parent, an administrator, a coworker, you have opportunities every day to show Christ. And I asked you this in a previous podcast. You know, what are you, what are they seeing? This is the only time they see Jesus. Because not every kid that comes to a Christian school is a Christian. And every family that brings a kid to a Christian school is not a, a Christian. They may not even be connected to church. So what are they what is their encounter with Christ when they see you? That's the question I want to leave you with today. Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we'll be back later this week with another one. And um, don't forget to hit subscribe. And uh Follow us wherever you can. Thank you all.